everybody and welcome to season 2 episode 7 here with Pavel Elen. This is going to be a special one. Pavel is actually from Russia but is living in Portugal. He speaks four languages. Russian, of course, English, Portuguese, and German. Thank you so much for being here with us, Pavel. Appreciate it. Hi, Gaby. Thank you for your invitation. It's my pleasure to be here today and to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. First, I want to ask, how did someone from Russia end up all the way in Portugal, nearly 5,000 kilometers? What was the story behind that? After I got married with my wife, we decided to start our family in another place. The biggest motivation for me to go to Portugal, because Portugal is nearby Atlantic Ocean. Moreover, we wanted to live in a warm country. As you can see today, I'm still in short, despite it's middle of October. So basically, we selected a country. We did not know anything about it. Uh, nothing about language, nothing about culture. Wow, I'm definitely jealous here in Germany. It's very cold and rainy and cloudy today. Jealous. <laughs> uh, don't be jealous because in Lisbon, in summer, especially in August and then at the beginning of September, it's really hard to work because of the heat. Every location has its advantages and disadvantages. But I totally enjoy Portuguese weather during the year, especially in winter. As a Russian, I am tired of cold winters with snow, ice, to put on a lot of clothes here. I enjoy possibility to wear only raincoat or something like this. When Portuguese people, or my friends, or some other people told me, it's so cold today, I just opened my application, weather focused in my country, I show them my city, and usually it's something like a plus 15 here in Lisbon in January, and minus 15 in Russia, so the difference is huge. <laughs> yeah, I guess after that they're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, that's cold. Yes, it's really so. What do you feel was the most fun and the most difficult part of adjusting to the new culture there in Lisbon? It was pleasant because we did not know anyone here, but Portuguese people are very friendly, very helpful. They are really easygoing. You can always get some help when you need it. Even uh, your neighbors can help you with many things and explain a lot of things. The main difficulty was that we did not speak Portuguese language. It was hard at the beginning because nine years ago, even here in Lisbon, only a few people spoke English. As you told before, I uh, speak English, Russian. Uh, I know German, but I need some practice to start speaking again. But uh, Portuguese is one of the hardest language for me. First of all, some people speak really quick, quickly and it's really hard to divide the speech into words and to understand it. But uh, it was challenging, but interesting. So you know this feeling when you learn foreign language and at some point you start uh, speaking with other people and they understand you. It's worth of spending several months on studies. Yeah, that's true. It's a very rewarding feeling. The first time someone understands you without having to say, sorry, what did you say? Then you just feel like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it's exactly so. In all other situations, we received great support from Portuguese people, from absolutely different people, and it was great. You discover new states, new routes, new shops, new museums, new places of interest, new people. It was really great. Yeah, it's really interesting. Now you have your 
wife and your two daughters, do you all speak Portuguese or Russian or English at home? What do you speak? At home we speak Russian, but of course we practice English and Portuguese with our daughters because both me and my wife speak English and Portuguese. The thing is that my older daughter started her school. It's funny, but when she is engaged, she starts speaking Portuguese instead of Russian or English. So <laughs> honestly, we learn a lot with her because she told us a lot of special Portuguese words that are very natural for Portuguese people. Such words cannot be studied or learned from books because it's something from everyday life. It's great. It's also a great experience. Wow. Yeah, she's from a special category called the point fiver. So she's in the middle of both of you guys. At, at first, at first, my daughter started teaching everyone Russian at school. She thought that she could uh, make them speak Russian <laughs> to her. But uh, after a year, she decided that it's easier to learn Portuguese than teach other people. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yes, it, it was really so. With your business even, that's also a, a hybrid in a sense. You've studied at a linguistics university and now you have your own firm, free language with translation in 50 languages, while you're also on LinkedIn giving tips to freelance linguists about how they can improve their business practices. Could you explain why you yes. decided to do that? Yes, sure. I can easily explain it. The reason why I am working in the field of uh, translations and, and uh, linguistic services is not because of my university. The biggest asset was my school. In Russia, it's called gymnasium. It's like a special school. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a course of four years of technical translations and of uh, interpreting. It was the very basement of my career, my work. I can honestly tell you that my school gave me more than the university because we had absolutely great teachers. They taught us a lot of practical things that I keep using even now. At first, when I was studying at the university, I began working as a freelance translator. Uh, I desperately want to have uh, some money. One day, my mother told me in the kitchen, why, why don't you want to try this? And I said, no, it's not possible because I uh, did not have a diploma. But suddenly I found a local company, they needed translations and step by step I got into this. By the end of uh, 2019, last year, I had an idea, okay, I made this path from freelance translator to director of a company in Portugal. Why not to share some tips? For example, when you receive 100 emails from freelance translators during the week, you start seeing some obvious things and you want to say, guys, fix this, fix that, you will get better results. So basically, I have a possibility to take a look from two sides. Using my previous experience as a freelance translator and my communication with a lot of freelance translators. On another side, I work as a potential customer. I, I represent the other side of this market. I work in the industry more than 13 years and I have accumulated practical knowledge and I want to share it because it's a part of being in community to share something with other people. Honestly, it's like my hobby because uh, I enjoy writing posts, I enjoy writing articles, I enjoy speaking to people, I enjoy arranging consultations, and I enjoy uh, reviewing some CVs, profiles. I do hope that my advice helps uh, some people to succeed in this field. 
Yeah, definitely. The first thing that caught my eye reading your post, not only is the actual advice good, but the way that you have the graphics combined with that, it really catches the person's eye. So that use of the image with the practical advice helps you to remember it better. I really appreciate that about your work. People who read my posts, who read my articles, I prefer posts with some tables. I always try to choose a picture that uh, somehow correspond to the content I'm going to share. Maybe it's because of me, because naturally I remember something better when I see it. When I have an image, I can call it in my memory at any time. I call the whole block of information after I think about some image. Yep, that's the truth. As they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. You're definitely using it effectively. With the emails we're having right now, a special programs talking about effective email marketing for freelance linguists. This is important, not just for freelance language, for everyone, especially given a MailChimp survey, the company that does email marketing for a lot of companies worldwide. The click rate for people opening emails has gone way up since the pandemic started. Have you seen that in your experience in the past few months? There are a lot of advice about email marketing, about marketing and social media. In the field of translations and language services, sending emails is an effective way of getting clients. A lot of people do it. So I focused only on our field. I focused only on people working in uh, the market of language services to provide some tailored advice. Freelance specialist, independent professional. Do not need to have 100 or 1,000 clients. We need to have for example, five permanent clients plus some one-time clients appearing in a while. I, I provide some examples how linguists can find information about potential customers, how to identify target groups, how to use the principle of similarity in your marketing. I also focus on writing the initial email, what it should be, because many Linguists tend to use cover letters for this purpose, and I disagree with this point of view. I think that the first email to potential customers should be something close to a very short, very concentrated business proposal. I also analyze the process of sending emails, like how it should be done, what are typical errors, how to avoid them, how to make your clients open. I even made some file. It is to track the results, track APIs and the response, to analyze the effectiveness of your work with new clients. My tactics of gentle reminders, how to stay with potential clients and permanent content, how not to annoy, but to be <laughs> in touch, how not to send the same email, but um, different events, use different information to share with clients and how not to be blocked by them afterwards. So basically, it's a roadmap. One can start using it right now, step by step, from the first section to the last section. I have already received some feedback from people who started using it. One guy provided me with some information about the results. It was a real pleasure for me because, I, as I told you, I am really glad when my advice worked and I know that I help someone. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to get that type of feedback. I noticed that you said you don't need hundreds or thousands of clients. You probably just need five permanent ones and a few that come 
every once in a while. Why is that so important to understand? Let's start from, from the beginning. If you have a shop and you sell some everyday goods, of course you want to have 1,000 people coming to your shop. But when you are a linguist, when you are a translator, you need to focus on the quality of your clients. There are two characteristics of quality from my point of view. The first characteristic of quality is an ability of a client to provide enough work, assure the flow of projects. It's very important for every linguist. The second characteristic is conditions, of course, because conditions are very important. How much do they pay? How often do they pay? It is important to plan our life. It's important to plan our expenses. It's important to know what I'm going to do next month. Even if you try to reach out 1,000 clients, it's useless because even if all of them say yes to you and send something to you, you have to say no to someone because you have limited possibilities. We all need to sleep. Even if you decide to spend a month without sleeping, it's not effective. It's not effective. So basically, I call it a cocktail of customers. It's like <laughs> a, a mixture of customers. For example, an ideal mixture is four or five permanent clients with regular volumes of work. Plus, you, you continue working on reaching new clients. Or you continue contacting potential customers. If or when you find a customer whose quality is higher, you can always replace one of your permanent clients with the new customer. It happens very often. So you have a possibility to choose. It's not you who are chosen, but you can choose, you can arrange your work in a way that is better for yourself. You can start feeling yourself more free. What freelancer, it's more connected with freedom. So you, you start feeling yourself free. You know that next month and maybe in a year, you still have 10 or 20 permanent clients and it's uh, enough to meet your income goals. That's very important. Yeah, you got to keep the free and freelancer. I like that. <laughs> a lot of people are freelancers, but they still see their clients as their employers. And it's, it's wrong because a freelancer is an entrepreneur. And of course, it's not an easy path. But this possibility to be an entrepreneur makes you free. It gives you freedom. Not all people like freedom uh, in this sense. Mm -hmm. That's why I keep reminding people with, with whom I contact during individual consultations that you should think about yourself as of a businessman. You have one very small company with one person only, but still it's a small business. You should think about it in this way. It is one of my basic principles of my advice. Yeah, that's a very good point. You have to be on the same level as the client. Yes. Some people, as you mentioned in another post, they say, yeah, I'm available 24-7. Why is that not a good thing to say? Psychologically, we do not value something that is available 24 hours a day, every day. For example, if we are healthy, we do not value our health until we got ill. If we go outside every day, we do not value this until one day we are not able to go outside and enjoy the weather. When a linguist sends an email saying that he or she is available 24 hours, seven days a week, 
my first reaction is nobody can be available 24 hours, seven days a week. A company, a team can, not the person. Moreover, it's obvious to your clients. It's the first point. The second point, again, if you think about yourself as an entrepreneur, you should understand that business people, entrepreneurs, they have vacations, they have days off, they have some free time, they spend time with their family, with their friends, with their children. It's normal. Nobody was born just to work 24 hours a day. It's undermined the value of the person and the value of professional. For example, I live in Portugal. My customer is in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And they offer me some projects or some work. I know about the time difference and I can tell them, though I am in Portugal, I am ready to adjust my working schedule to meet your needs. I can be available during my nighttime, but it's something different. I make a step towards my customer on one hand. On another hand, I don't want to say to them that, oh, I'm totally available. I'm not going to sleep anymore only because you start working with me. Customers also value when their vendors tell them, okay, my schedule is like this. Why? Because if a freelance vendor says that uh, I work only on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, but Wednesday is my day off, that means that this person is sure in his future, everything is fine, he or she has enough projects. I know my schedule of work, I have a cocktail of customers, and I can distribute my workload in a way that allows me to have vacations, to see my children, to have some free time, and to visit my mom on Friday. Why not? It's another point that makes your potential customers confident. Here, self-confidence is an advantage. It's a competitive advantage. It's the best advertisement when uh, the person is sure uh, in his work. The clients understand it very well. Freelancers should understand that there is no absolute. It's nature to make some exceptions. For example, a client can ask you for an exception to deliver something on Saturday. Though Saturday is your is your day off. But in this case, again, you have an advantage. I make an exception for you as for my client, but I expect some exception for me. I am working four hours on Saturday, but I would like to be paid double for this. Or I would like to be paid earlier. Can you make an exception? It's it's more business talk. It's not a talk between employee and employer. It's very important. Yeah, that goes along with the theme you keep bringing up, have it on the same level. I really like that point. Yes, being on the same level is extremely important. I analyze behavior and analyze work of some successful uh, freelance linguists with whom we work as a team of, I mean, as free language. I even ask myself sometimes, why we keep working with this person or why we are always confident in this person? When I analyze this, I start finding out what I can recommend to other people. For example, I have two Spanish uh, translators. Why I make a decision to assign this project to this person? Why? What makes me do this? What has an effect on my choice? Very good point. Sometimes you have to dig for those patterns. I like that insight. Yes, especially when you find something, it's like a 
feeling of a detective that has a lead. Well, the last thing I want to ask you about, Pavel, and this is from your perspective as a non-native English speaker and a, a language professional, you took the IELTS exam about three years ago. Do you feel like that was a, a good investment for you now, or was it something that, looking back on it, it wasn't really worth the time? It uh, was an experiment. My main uh, reason was that I'm asked about uh, my level of English, and I always said something like, mm, I'm fine, I can speak English. So I decided to try this to estimate my level of English. By that time, my wife was planning to pass this exam too for her work. Hmm. She told me, you should go first, and you, then you tell me how it's going to be arranged. So I say, okay, fine, I will go <laughs> and I will try. It was challenging for me, but it was interesting challenging. When I got a letter from them, I was impressed how they estimated my level. It was very accurate. Some of their recommendations were really important and I implemented them. I implemented them with English and now I implement them with Portuguese. For example, I force myself to read or watch news only in Portuguese to practice, to get new words. I know that if I read this news in English or Russian, I will spend two minutes, but reading it in Portuguese, I spend 10 minutes. It's good practice for me. Yeah, it's true. But looking at it, you got a seven out of nine. So that's really good. That's upper intermediate. I can tell you've improved since you took that test. So keep up the good work. <laughs> yes, yes, it was an interesting experience. This test was organized by British Council here in Lisbon. And it was a pleasure to speak to their teachers, very good team, very good staff. The speaking part was arranged absolutely fantastic. It was really fast, it was really effective, and it was a pleasure to speak with these people. It was good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Hopefully all of the testing centers can get to that same level of efficiency. Yes, it was one of the most pleasant tests I've passed in my life. That's great. Pavel, how can someone find your email marketing information? Where can they find it? Please check my LinkedIn profile because uh, I use um, my LinkedIn page as a landing page for all things connected with consulting. I mean, consultations for freelance linguists. All materials, all contacts are published there and I update them. I do my best to reply to LinkedIn direct messages as soon as possible. But there is my email and one can contact me via email anytime. Again, I do my best to reply to all people as soon as possible. So I am totally open for some new tasks, new opportunities. For example, if a person has a special request, we can always discuss it, we can arrange a small talk or we can arrange a consultation. So I'm totally open for some new questions. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. You've helped me out quite a few times. <laughs> yes, it was, uh, it was interesting. I, I honestly, I like to listen to your podcast. I like some interviews with some people. It, uh, and that's why I was thinking of taking part in this. Well, I'm definitely glad that you did. For those of you who are listening, as Pavel mentioned, you can find him on LinkedIn, Pavel Elen. If you're thinking about, wow, Pavel is really cool, I wish I spoke English like that, go ahead and check out our website, cleverhybrids.com, and see how we can help you get to Pavel's level. But thank you so much, Pavel, for taking the time to be with us today. Again, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Gabby. It was a pleasure to speak to you. 
It was a great conversation and I wish you a very good day today. Likewise, I learned a lot. Till next time, everybody learn by doing and asking. Hasta pronto. Ciao.